Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Monday. It is a Thursday game week. ETSU Chattanooga doesn't get any better in my life than a. Bucks Mox Week. I don't know about Mike Gallagher. I'm trying to bring him on board slowly. I think he's coming to my side of things. But it is the game that I like the most and uh, ever in ETSU. I will watch any ETSU Chattanooga game in any sport. I think I watched chess one time and uh, got kicked out. But anyways, ETSU Chattanooga Week Thursday, 7 p.m. is the kick time, 5.30 on a pregame show. We will have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday show for you as we will – Stay up late Thursday night slash Friday morning to get that uh, out for you so you can have a Friday Santa sidekick after we had an abbreviated week last week. It was good to do two days. We have, or at least I've recharged the batteries, ready to go. I don't know about Mike. Now, a couple volleyball games this weekend. Had the coaches show on Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday show. It was a full week. Oh, just blah. We're still blah, rolling. Blah. We're All still right. rolling. He's gone. He's gone. All right. So, uh, again, uh, a little different because we didn't have a game this past week. So, we're going to go over today's show. We're going to go over to the Southern Conference sort of the first half breakdown of all of our teams, our thoughts, surprises, uh, what we think maybe can happen in the second half of the Southern Conference season. We will be going over very special four downs. We also have uh, J. Oh, pros versus Jays. Yep. And bold predictions, in which I think we accidentally got one right. I'm happy. I don't know about you. I'm very happy, although I, it could have been better for me. We'll I, get got, to that I mean, all of it could have been better. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I felt pretty good when Florida was up 28-21. bet you did. Uh, and then I didn't, I didn't go so well. And then the Dolphins, I thought what for a second. What happened to Josh Rosen in that game? He just got benched. He, he was that bad. He just got benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Fitzmagic almost did it again. Worst two-point play call yes. in the world. Didn't Fitzpatrick get benched for Rosen like three weeks ago? Yeah. They really can't figure it out, Kevin. Yeah. That's a dolphin. I mean, you know, you're over. And he still almost won. Yeah. How bad, if you're a Redskin fan, do you feel good about that? Uh, the fact that you just have a win probably makes you feel all right. The fact that you're no longer in danger. Because I think they were The fact you had to danger. stop a two-point play with six seconds I think to go. that they were just as much in danger of the Dolphins not losing the game. I think they were just as in danger as the Dolphins, honestly. So the fact that they have a game, they're off that. There's no 0-16 season. The Dolphins still have a possibility of going 0-16. So there was also, I don't know if you watched the Atlanta end of that game with Arizona. No. There was a kiss of death when Matt Bryan. Oh, the Matt Bryan yeah. missed. Yeah. So Matt Bryan kicked a field goal. Uh, and I was like a 44-yarder, and I'm trying to think if it was, um, gosh, I think Chris Myers was doing the game, and he made the comment of like, you know, 42-year-old, the, the old man just keeps chugging along. He's going to be the most steady thing in Atlanta. And uh, I thought to myself at that time, well, that's a kiss of death. And then sure enough, Two touchdowns later, miss extra point, and you're going, oh, Chris Myers did it to him. 
Chris Myers is is that, is that is that one of the most Atlanta things you can do? Because right now, other than the the MLS team, right? Atlanta United. Other than that, they pack. every Atlanta team has had some epic losses. I mean, the, obviously the Super Bowl, people still haven't gone over. First innings even over. Yeah, the, the, Braves. the Braves just yeah. being the Braves. The Hawks are always the Hawks. Oh, my goodness. The, they had a hockey team for 32 minutes, that's and right. then they left. So, I mean, just everything about Atlanta sports, that feels like that's about right. It's but. not good. All right, let's go Southern Conference. Okay, let's go over this weekend first before we get to the standings, how things generally look. Furman, ETSU, Chattanooga, Wofford, Mercer were on buys. And then there was the game we talked about a lot in bold predictions we'll talk about later as well. 48-41 to 41, the win for VM over Sanford in a game that I think you and me both saw going a little like the way it did goes to overtime once there Alex Ramsey rushes for his sixth count it sixth rushing touchdown of the day absolutely absurd for Alex Ramsey who we both knew I think was good just watching him seeing the numbers coming in TTSU's game against VMI but I don't know if I would have envisioned six rushing touchdowns for him in a game score records and single game points touchdowns scored and rushing touchdowns for him and the fourth win of the year for VMI is their most since 2008 and they've got Mercer and Western Carolina up next very winnable games plus their final game of the year is Chattanooga at home could this be a six win conference team VMI in your mind yes looking at that schedule yes there's a way that it isn't but I'd almost say that they're favorites to be a six win team not necessarily favorites to win the league but if you get to six wins this year you might win the league Six six and two in the league would be pretty good. You would it'd be like last year. There could be some shares and and that. But you know, last year it was ETSU that everyone sort of had, you know, picked eighth. You know, sort of going to be the 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 doormat of the league. And ETSU came out and did it this year. All of a sudden, it's VMI was picked ninth. All right, just Western Carolina was picked uh, eighth and VMI ninth, and they've got a shot now. VMI to do it. But the biggest the biggest difference, well, two. The biggest one, though, is Udinsky. I don't think is still throwing an interception. He didn't throw on the Saturday. I know yeah, that. I don't think he's thrown one all season long. So think about the fact. I think he threw eighteen last year, right? So you're averaging, you know, one and a half per game. So has he thrown one this year? I don't think he thirteen has. touchdowns to zero interceptions. Yeah. So he had eighteen interceptions last year. I mean, you think about turning the ball over eighteen times. And he's averaging almost three hundred yards per game. He's zero. <laughs> uh, he's taking care of the football. I mean, how many throws has he had? Two hundred and ninety-eight attempts without an interception. This year. oh my goodness. So look, I mean that that's number one, and then number two, them trusting a running game. And I don't know if that's just uh, it started off having success and going with it, or just philosophy this year. Like, hey, we've got to run the football. But they have been tough to stop because of the the balance. They're only about fifty five percent pass now, and Alex Ramsey's hit fifteen some rushing huge, touchdowns. <laughs> oh, he's hit some huge games. I mean, he's he's close. And I don't know what the Southern Conference record. Maybe I can look that up here in a minute. The Southern Conference record for rushing touchdowns in a season, but I, he has a shot considering the the number of games left. But what's a bigger shock? Are you getting to sit? I'll, I'll wait because I want to ask you because I thought both those teams were opposite weekends as well, far as stats. I had actually more on this just in sense of how it affects ETSU. Do you think this result hurts the Bucks in the sense that you and me have talked about and I talked about with Randy Sanders on Wednesday on the coaches show. You've got a pretty, I don't want to say soft schedule because you have to face Chattanooga this week. I'd say this is the toughest SoCon game for ETSU the rest of the way personally. Uh, on the road against what is an undefeated Chattanooga team has played a very difficult schedule and 
my preseason pick for uh, conference championship being the mocks. Um, but you look at VMI making a run like they appear they can. Then you've got Furman, possibly Chattanooga, Wofford's two and one, and then VMI if they can get to five or six wins, that really I think hurts the Bucks' chances at sneaking in a backdoor playoff bid. Yeah, I mean, let's just play Bucks win the rest of the FCS games, right? Sure. So you rattle off the, those wins, and <clears throat> that's five more wins. So ETSU finishes five and three in league play, right? So it's five and three, and I don't think that's going to get you to a tie. Uh, I just, no. you know, it's not. So then the playoffs, you look at the playoff picture, and in all honesty, you're probably kicking yourself more over the VMI game than even the Furman game. And you're going if they just figured out a way to win that game, then you're six and two, and you're probably in the playoffs. I mean, you're, you're looking at an eight-win team for ETSU. So I, I think VMI continuing to win. I don't know that it really matters because ETSU has three losses. I, I just I don't know that affects it. What really affects VMI is the fact they've already lost to Wofford, and depending on how how it goes the rest of the way, and they really they really need to beat Furman, and they really need Wofford to beat Furman and get sort of everybody beats everybody sort of tiebreaker and then that's that's their best shot and the loss of robert morris is going to crush i'm afraid vmi in an at-large I, I think they're just going to have to either win out and everyone go with well look how they've just played since the loss and go that route or they're going to win be the champion of the league to get in here's kind of the flip side of it does vmi winning and getting to their most wins since 2008 and placing themselves in the standings where they are, 3-1 and one in the SoCon. Does that help ETSU in their belief that they've gotten the best three teams in the Southern Conference out of the way? I, it can. I, I think, you know, it's just – I think it's very similar to, to last year, you know, the, the fine line. I'm sure there were a lot of teams last year that are kicking themselves that they didn't beat ETSU, Furman especially, because they were the odd team left out of the, the playoffs a year ago. And I think that's just how ETSU is going to feel. I, I, I think even if you win, even if you don't win out, you probably still look at the VMI game as of right now and go, man, you just, you know, two plays, three plays different, and, and, and that game's over with, and then you're just feeling way different about your season, right? It's just amazing how one game can go. And in football, because, you know, in basketball, if you lose that game, you just play so many games, and there's a double round robin and everything. But in football, that's just a fine line. You lose one of those games, and it just changes the complexion uh, all the way around. The record for most rushing touchdowns in a game in the Southern Conference, six. So Alex so Ramsey tied, tied it. Jerome Felton for Furman back in 2006 against Western Carolina, and Jason Foster for Georgia Southern against Coastal Carolina in 2007. I also forgot that. Uh, well, this isn't – I looked at the name and I got excited, and I was like, no, 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 I know that Adrian Peterson went to Oklahoma, but then there's an Adrian Peterson here that played for Georgia Southern that had five and, and, rushing and touchdowns, and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> and played for the Chicago Bears for a while. So yeah, we also the played other Adrian league. Peterson. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Uh, so that's – we, we say the real Adrian Peterson in Southern oh, Conference. I, see, I, I, I know you're not a Southern Conference I, uh, right. by, by trade. Well, that we're was trying, when you were, I but think that was the real Adrian Peterson. That yeah. was when you were a student, I think, too, 98. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that would have been right when you were at the prime of your – clever brain thinking days that, uh, that, that have that's gone. never been a thing no it hasn't yeah. okay uh citadel western carolina 35 to 17 the bulldogs beat the catamounts tyree adams coming back the last couple of games really hasn't helped the catamounts they had this game unfold actually almost exactly how the bucks did against wofford it was 28 to 3 early in favor of the strong ground game then it come back to get it to 28 17 before the game was salted away with a fourth quarter touchdown to make it 35 to 17 the option offense the winner against the bucks it was wofford against western carolina it's citadel 
as you mentioned to me off air before, I think I saw five throws the entire day, three of five or something like that for Citadel, and they pick up their first conference win joining Mercer. Uh, one three of five, not just that, all three completions were touchdowns. Wow. So all three completions were touchdowns, and the quarterback, Rainey, had both rushing touchdowns. So my question to you was that opposite day because Udinsky didn't throw for one, but his running back had six. Yeah. Citadel's quarterback throws for three touchdowns. His running backs had zero touchdowns. It just seemed like an opposite day. That does seem like an opposite day to me because Reese Udinsky, obviously a guy that has, we just mentioned it, 13 touchdowns in the air. But then Alex Ramsey having 15 kind of blows me away. I mean, Quay Holmes all last season, and he was a freshman All-American, had 15 touchdowns. I mean, that's pretty absurd. And there's half a season left. Exactly. I mean, it's, it is So he's on pace for like 30 touchdowns this yeah, year. It's outrageous. Standings, Furman 3-0, Chattanooga 2-0, VMI 3-1, Wofford 2-1, Sanford 2-2, Citadel 1-2, Mercer 1-2, the Bucs in Western Carolina uh, are 0-3. A couple of takeaways from the standings for me. I think Furman's still the best team. Uh, I don't question that even after VMI did what they did. I don't question that VMI is still the third best team in the league at best because I still have Wofford above them. Chattanooga is still a question mark to me. And I didn't ask this to Rusty Wright. We've actually already taped our conversation for Thursday. Remember, it's Bucks and Mox Thursday, not a Saturday. It's a Thursday night down at Chattanooga. ETSU traveling there, 5.30 pregame, Buccaneer Sports Network. 7 o'clock is kickoff. Uh, if they're to beat ETSU, and now, again, I think this is a Buck team that is far better than Western Carolina. I think they're better than Mercer. I think Citadel is maybe kind of a toss-up depending on the week. They've, again, lost a couple of close games. They're going to be the toughest out. Different. Like they're, they're, right. Every game is going to come down to like last possession with Citadel. Right. Uh, and then Sanford, um, I guess we're going to find out you know, next week on the 26th when the Bucks take on the Bulldogs. Um, but, I mean, losing to VMI as ETSU did in overtime. <laughs> they both lose by a touchdown, the Bucks and the Bulldogs. I think that's going to be a very hotly contested contest. So, still I have ETSU at maybe the bottom half of middle right now, but I think they have potential to be top three, depending on how these next five games go. I think they have the talent to be top three. It's just about, right, making the three or four plays, as Randy Sanders says. But right now I have the top three, Furman, Wofford, and VMI. You know what's crazy is that you could have the most improbable de facto championship game the last week of the season oh, wow. with VMI sure. hosting Chattanooga. Sure. I mean, that honestly, out of everything that could happen, if you're sitting there and you're going, okay, let's say Chattanooga ran the table, right, and then VMI ran its table, then that would be your championship game uh, because that would mean Chattanooga and VMI would have beaten Furman. And so with that being said, and then Wofford would have lost to – Chattanooga, and then that would be your championship game if those things happen. We're looking at a heck of a November. Listen to the rest of the schedule for Furman. You've got Citadel at home, at Western Carolina, then at Chattanooga, home to VMI at Wofford. So the top four (laughs) teams, yeah, it's going to be fantastic down the stretch because to me the top four teams are Furman, Wofford, VMI, Chattanooga right now. So you've got Furman playing each of the other three in their last three games of the year in the Southern Conference. This is going to be fantastic. And we're going to find out a lot about Furman because I still think we know a decent amount. I think that they are right now the best team. But you have your toughest three games of the Southern Conference year. Now you just blew out Stanford by 44. I get that before your bye week. But still, you have your toughest three for the end. That's probably benefits, I think, Furman and the fact that they're probably going to be playing their best ball and Darren Granger's got more reps at quarterback and et cetera, et cetera. But, wow, I mean, looking at that, two of those on the road, it's going to be pandemonium and mayhem in November. I, I, it'll it'll be fun to watch, and if you're an ETSU fan, and the Bucks could win, you know Chattanooga, uh, and then beat Sanford, two big road games starting November at home again against the Citadel for homecoming. You're sitting there going, well, 
you're just pulling for everybody to continue to beat each other up there right. and get in some sort of four or five way log jam and then who knows right <laughs> a lot of things have to happen i don't think somebody's gonna have two losses or less i, I think that's just fair but i i think down the stretcher because we don't really know what chattanooga is yet um i think rusty Wright was the right hire considering where they went with tom arth i think i've been pretty open about what a terrible hire that was to begin with and <laughs> proved to be and i'm sure akron's loving every minute of it right now but um i, I think seeing what chattanooga is against etsu wofford Furman, and boy if they get through that gauntlet then you're talking about a, a team in Sanford that they have like five straight wins over it's the one team they certainly figured out and then really Citadel home I, I don't know if they've won all that would be that you know tough of a matchup and then you're talking about a, the rare possible VMI Chattanooga de facto championship game and boy that would be topsy-turvy if that ended up that week the weekend in Southern Conference football obviously the Bucks Thursday at Chattanooga Furman and Wofford I think have a pair of relatively simple wins at home home to the citadel for the paladins and for the terriers it's home to the catamounts and then i'll take vmi on the road uh, at mercer if you're to guess this kind of a halfway through the season update on status and the sidekick of southern conference football prognostications projections review preview etc how many teams from the southern conference realistically can get into the NCAA playoffs this year I think there's only two and to be honest with you if, if teams beat up on each other as bad as they have and as bad won. as a non-conference it could be one I mean it really could I mean if you finish in a two-way tie let's say Furman VMI finish in two-way tie some of those that the loss of Robert Morris could could haunt VMI right. and hold them out even though they probably should be in I think that loss would really hamper and you know even with you know, Chattanooga, they've had opportunities in non-conference games. Uh, they did beat Eastern Illinois, but they lost Jacksonville State, lost to James. You know, those are ranked teams, and certainly Tennessee doesn't hurt them in, in that contest. It usually doesn't hurt you in that situation. But you look at their not, you know, just the total number of wins and losses and all that. If they don't run the table, then it, it could be tough for those teams to get it. I, I think two's probably where it's going to land, uh, and that's assuming – that you get a couple eight or nine win teams and 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 just take it out of the bubble, right? Which means you don't you don't have the chaos that me and you are sort of predicting and pulling for at the end of the year in right. November for fun purpose, right? <laughs> You're just talking about if you want the league to be strong, then you really just need two teams to to win out from here on out. Here's what I'll say: It starts with ETSU and Chattanooga this Thursday because if you can have a win for the box against the Mox and give Chattanooga their first conference loss, then you've got only one undefeated team left. I think everyone is kind of in the same camp around this other conference that right now Furman is the team to beat. It's not just us. So if you've got them up top, then if it's just a bunch of haymakers left and right the rest of the way between Chattanooga, VMI, Wofford, Sanford, Citadel, Mercer, ETSU, I mean, yeah, it's a lot of teams and a lot of things would need to go right, but I think that the NCAA playoffs could still be alive for ETSU if you get to seven wins and you get to that five and three mark in the Southern Conference. Again, though, you'd have to essentially finish second correct i mean you're not going to be third have a team above you and if it's a two-bid league you're going to skip over that team at least i wouldn't think i totally agree i, I don't i don't think i don't think it would work out exactly what you said i i don't have any disagreements on exactly how that that's going to break out i just it's going to be interesting to see it's one of those years where maybe it's i don't know if you could argue it's good or bad there's not a unless Furman runs the table and you go boom dominant right right it doesn't feel like 
you know, it was the old Southern Conference of old where it was like, okay, for a while there was Georgia Southern dominated the league and everybody else was playing for second, or App State was going to win the league, everybody else was playing for second. It really feels like it's wide open and three or four teams can make a strong case to get it jumbled like last year. And, I, you know, you could argue if it's good or bad for the league. I, I think if one team is dominant and then a couple teams are battling for second, and I tell you, get a third team in. I think the problem is when you don't win non-conference games and then you have a log jam, it doesn't make the league look as strong, and then you get one, maybe two teams in, and I think that's the problem that the Southern Conference is going to run into. That's what we have midway point of the Southern Conference season as we break things down and preview, and we got more college football next. Is it four downs? Four downs. Four downs. Right for this timeout, San Jose Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Brightridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Brightridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Four down. Four down. Four down. Four 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 down. All right, there it is. Four down. Four down. Love four downs. A Monday version of four downs, which I'm not sure we've ever done. First down. This is a themed four downs, and the first one is on college football, as are the other three. The University of Minnesota beat Nebraska 34 to seven. Homer to pick to six and zero Saturday. Homer pick. What's the bigger surprise that Nebraska is fraudulent or that the Gophers are still undefeated? Or are they equal? Because no, I think I think a bigger surprise is probably Minnesota is undefeated. But Nebraska uh, was ranked coming into the year. But no one bought it, right? No one was buying I, that. And again, rankings are what they are, right? And everyone's buying into year two Scott Frost, year two Scott Frost. That's everybody heard, year two Scott Frost. And it just hasn't worked out. I think if if uh, if Minnesota was 4-2, and two, you'd be like, ah, Minnesota's 4-2. and two. But, if Nebraska's oh, no, ex- about them, yeah. but if Nebraska's exactly where they are, you'd still be going, well, we thought they're fraudulent, right? Right. So the bigger surprise, I think, is Minnesota is 6-0. and up. Second down. They are 6-0, as are SMU, Clemson, Baylor, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Boise State, Alabama, LSU, and, say perhaps the best for last, Appalachian State, who I know you're not big on coming into the year, but they're actually 5-0, so they're the one that doesn't have six wins but still undefeated. Who amongst that list are the contenders and who are the pretenders? Again, I'll give them to you again. Minnesota, SMU, Clemson, Baylor, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Boise State, Alabama, LSU, Appalachian State. I think uh, for sure the pretenders, SMU, you can take them off the list. I think Appalachian State has wow. been squeaking by. Uh, and, and let me say You're this. You're sticking with that take. I, I, well, I'll say this. I think you could make a claim that App State should be top ten because they beat North Carolina, who beat South Carolina, who beat Georgia. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, listen, I am a firm believer in the transit of property is a real thing, and you can only tell by playing games on the field as opposed to everyone does the eyeball test. That's great. That's great. Everybody's eyeballs see what they want to see, right? So results matter. Uh, Let's see. I think, man, uh, Alabama's for real. Let's go ahead and check them for real. Um, I think LSU is for real after watching that game. 
Again, they play at home. They have such a hard time away from home. That's going to be the issue. I, I need to see another a good road win from LSU. Um, I think Oklahoma's for real. I think uh, uh, roll, roll the who, who have I left off? Minnesota, of course. Obviously, they're for real. Not Clemson, for real. Not Baylor. for real. Go, take them off. Take them off. Ohio State. Baylor, take them off. Next one. Uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Ohio Boise State for State. real. Ohio State for real. So right now you would have a college football playoff of Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, Ohio State. That's realistic. And, and that would only happen if Alabama, LSU played like a three-point game, and then the other one went on to I think to win the S to win the SEC championship. Wisconsin obliterated your team in Michigan, so they have yeah. to be real, right? Uh, let me say the the running the the things that they are doing defensively, and I know everybody wants points to Jonathan Taylor, right, and all his stupid numbers which he does have some stupid numbers but the things they're doing to teams defensively is impressive and in two weeks i think they got ohio state so to me the winner of that one and they could meet again in in the big 10 championship game and then just cancel each other out which which i hate but that's a real possibility um but right now see and lsu and alabama is going to play so to me i think they're all contenders because they get us do it on the field so i'm gonna say wisconsin is a contender um state Penn State, I I think is a pretender. I I, mm. I don't, I think they, and 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 they're going to roll through. They got a pretty tough part of their schedule. Um, they've still got Ohio State, Michigan. And I want to say they got one other quality opponent on their schedule. Um. Uh, but but anyway, uh, they Penn got, State goes Michigan at Michigan State at Minnesota showdown. Versus Indiana at Ohio State, home to Rutgers. So, so there's only a couple. They only have yeah. two two teams standing in their way. So that schedule is very favorable um, towards where Ohio State still got to play uh, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin. I think that's it. I think it's only three uh, uh, three teams that are left on their schedule. Wisconsin really only has Ohio State, right? In Iowa, Iowa, and then and at Minnesota it. showdown to end the year. Is it uh, is it at Iowa? It is home to Wisconsin, so that's going to be a blowout. Wisconsin. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, so Wisconsin Wisconsin or Penn State probably has an easier road than Ohio State Ohio does. State, but Ohio State's playing really good. Home to Wisconsin, good. home to Maryland, at Rutgers, home to Penn State, at Michigan. Wow. Yeah. I, I, they're To me, they're the better team looking at them play um, and watching some of Penn State's games. But I feel like the schedule's easier, so you can maybe nod if you're just playing the schedule game with Wisconsin, you know, a nod over Ohio State. That is at, that is the Ohio State game is at Wisconsin, correct? Uh, it is at Wisconsin. No, it is uh, home uh, for Ohio State. Okay, so it's home for Ohio State. So they got that going for them. They go to Penn State and to Michigan then, right? No, they're home to Penn State. They're at Michigan. Oh, and then the Ohio State's fine. Okay. Ohio uh, State's Clemson. Fine. Clemson. Come on, it, Pretender. Come on, Pretender. Great for my long-term bowl prediction. Pretender. They have looked very – Pretender. They dr- Beatable. I agree. Yes. And then uh, Boise State. I mean, it, it would be nice, right, but it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, Boise's schedule is pretty, pretty frail at the end of the year, too. I think I think Boise's going to get that, you know, best of five, whatever they call that. Yeah. The guaranteed game or right. whatever. I think Boise will get that. But that you're asking really for the playoffs more than uh, We'll get the to the playoff in a second. Okay. Third down. Minnesota plays Maryland and Rutgers their next So the game. theme is Minnesota. Can you, think, <laughs> can you think of a consistently easier Power 5 conference back-to-back in college football? And you cannot be mad about me indulging myself in Minnesota being 6-0 because it happens so rarely that I had to do this. Uh, how about Syracuse and Georgia Tech? Kansas and Kansas State, Indiana and Illinois, Oregon State and Arizona, Vanderbilt and Arkansas. 
versus Maryland and Rutgers. Is that the easiest Power 5 back-to-back in all of Power 5 football? Anything else coming Oh, well, first of all, anything with Rutgers makes it the easiest in all of football. Right. So I'm, I'm going to say, who is Georgia Tech paired up with? Syracuse. No, I'd give the nod to that one. All right, Indiana. Kansas and Kansas State. No, Indiana that, and Illinois. So Maryland and Indiana. Rutgers may not be even the easiest in the Big Ten. No, I still think it's a God, Rutgers. So bad. Yeah, Rutgers is so bad. Oregon State and Arizona. Oregon State's terrible. Oregon State is Arizona. awful. Arizona can accidentally win a game, yeah. just like Indiana can accidentally win a game occasionally in the Big Ten. So I, I'm going to go the uh, even though Maryland is better than Indiana and better. I think than Arizona, just impaired with with Rutgers, is too much to overcome. And I think that this last one's disqualified because it's SEC, and SEC is just the best conference in the country. So you're probably not going to have even the worst back to back be as bad as some of the other back to backs. But Vandy and Arkansas, <sighs> boy, Arkansas is really bad. <laughs> I mean, they're really. I mean, San Jose State, who can't even win a game in their own league, is going to Arkansas and winning. I mean, just boy, Arkansas is bad. And Van- Vandy's another one of those like Northwestern, like. They're just not just being smart and you know and all that, but they they're just a tough beat, right? They just they play a lot of teams tough. They give it. I mean, Rutgers just lays down. I mean, they lose by forty at will. I mean, losing by fifty six is nothing to Rutgers. That's a normal Saturday. So I'm still going to go Rutgers. Is there anything else that comes to mind in terms of Power Five back to backs that are easier than any of those that I named? I went through pretty thoroughly, and if we talk historically, maybe the list changes a little bit, but. Generally, the teams that are uh, I mean, right and, now I mean, and let, yeah, I mean, in, in the Power Five, no, I, I can't think off the top of my head. I mean, uh, unless it was another Big 12 team with Kansas, but Kansas State, I think, has improved a little bit this year. If you went Kansas-Rutgers, that would be, like, the greatest of all time. Oh, my God. Fourth down. And in case you didn't know where this is going, Minnesota is obviously heading to the national championship game. Who will they play? Reddit College Football said – that the playoff will be Baylor, SMU, Minnesota, and Appalachian State. I see no flaw in the logic. I, I think I would love that. That would make my decade. But uh, uh, Minnesota, I'm guessing, okay, so they win the West. They beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. They would still get no love. They would be the fourth seed, would play Alabama. They, they beat would, them last they, time they played in the postseason. They, the they would beat Alabama, and then on the other side, you're talking about Oklahoma and Clemson. Let's just throw those out there for Next argument. Victim. Then yep. Oklahoma, and then you've got a nice Minnesota, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma, uh, you know, then winning championship, I guess. Fantastic. First down, fourth down. One plus four is five. This is fifth down. We have to, on this episode of Say Those to the Side, are we Nebraska, Missouri here, the fifth <laughs> down? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a thing once in a while, and we had to make sure while I did put together, of course, a Minnesota theme to celebrate the 6-0 season that will surely at some point fall apart if we're all being honest here and not putting on the maroon and gold sunglasses. Minnesota hats off to thee. Uh, Devlin Hodges last night. Your I boy. watched it. I watched it. I did too, and when it was 24-3, to I've said oftentimes this year that the NFL is just so upside down that I can't even figure it out anymore, and it seems like that's how it is every season, which is what makes it great. But Devlin Hodges' first career win gets to start last night. Didn't do anything crazy. Uh, made one mistake, I think, late. It was 24-3. Tried to throw one downfield. Chris Collinsworth called it his first overreach of the night. Otherwise played extremely within himself. Um, managed the game 
very solidly. I think new one to throw the ball. I, th- I think the one on the goal line where the ball was snapped like thirty feet over his head, yeah. and he was able to scramble and then throw it yeah. away. I mean, there, there was some the heady plays. plays that too. Show up that's in the right. Box that's score. right. But he knew how to play quarterback. And seventy-five percent of the stadium did seem like it was Steeler fans. I mean, you got no noise for when the Chargers did something good. So again, I mean, there were maybe some circumstances that helped him out, and the Chargers seemed down. But regardless, an NFL win is an NFL win. And, and the I Steelers went good. back to Steeler football. Yeah. I think, you know, they went back to the nasty, you know, not just defensive steel curtain style, let's just get after the quarterback and make him feel uncomfortable. But running the football, just this is who we are coming right at you. I think it was funny to hear Talman say, you know, we're not worried about style points anymore. I don't know why you're worried about them to begin with. Right. But they certainly were, I think, because of Bell, because of Antonio Brown, all that, they're thinking, well, we've got to throw up numbers and prove instead of just going, you know what? Why don't you just worry about winning the game? And then that solves all the other ills, right? And then San Diego has the worst home field uh, – Los Angeles uh, Chargers, yeah. sorry – have the worst home field advantage of any team in all of football right now and any level. I mean, just nobody is coming there to watch the Chargers. I watched the Denver game, uh, I think it was the week before, and it was all orange. I mean, it's incredible that the Chargers even have – and then they think, well, we build this stadium – Charger fans are going to come. I think it was the worst move that, that any team had ever done to begin with out of all these relocation deals. And if you do do it, then move out of California and, and just start start anew. But I think it's it's going to be brutal for them. But I love them. I love there was a couple of uh, stats that were out there. Number one, he's a two-time duck calling champion. Yes. I love that. And then they start like calling And then they nicknamed too. him Duck at some yes. point. They were just calling him Duck. I don't know how he feels about that. The other stat I enjoyed was the fact that somebody threw up on Twitter all the universities in Alabama and how they had zero starting quarterbacks except for one which in Sanford, which I enjoyed Sanford, too. Yeah, like that. You know, they had all unlikely. Alabama number one, Auburn up there, rolling off Troy, they're rolling Even like off a Jacksonville these. State. They were rolling all of them. I mean, uh, uh, South Alabama, everybody was on the list. Uh, and they even went to, as far as uh, all the FCS. So you had uh, UNA, everybody. Oh, wow. There was only one. And the, the last starting quarterback from the Southern Conference would have been Chad Pennington, I believe, Marshall. Marshall. Uh, 2010 or 2011 was the last time Pennington started. Yeah, he, so. he was in the league for a good 10 to 12 years. The other reason fifth down makes sense is because back in the day at Sanford, it would have been, well, Devlin Hodges can throw the ball five times on every four downs. Not the case anymore. Pittsburgh, a 24-17 win. First career touchdown, first career win for Devlin Hodges. I believe so, his first career touchdown. So was it odd that fifth down was a Big 12 game between Nebraska and Missouri in which two teams are no longer in the Big 12? Hmm, that is interesting. Was it was your, his first career touchdown, Devlin Hodges. He didn't have one last week, 7-9, Yeah, and, uh, and, Happy and Connor was an animal. Yes, well, James Connor, and also you know that they're going Pittsburgh football when Benny Snell gets 17 carries. Oh, I love Benny Snell. So the fact that Benny Snell was their leading rusher and – they ran the ball 36 times. Uh, I'm I guessing you probably on. never watched him at Kentucky at all. Uh, no, I wasn't so much of a Kentucky football guy with Benny Snell there. Yeah, uh, you should have been. He yeah. was good. All right, here we go. There's uh, five downs, four downs, four downs plus five one, downs. whatever you want to call it. And then uh, with Jays versus uh, himself. Or what is this? Going to be fantastic. The hot button's back. We haven't had that in a while. You know it. All right, Sanders Sidekick, Buccaneer Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. 
Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Pros. Buckle up for Kobe. Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a play. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! In your life have you seen anything like that? In the deep left center from Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow night. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. In a year that has been so the impossible has happened. Edmonds hit 42 home runs during the regular season. And we are going to game seven in the National League Championship Series. out on the field. He's going to go into the end zone. He's going to go the Bears. The Bears have won. The Bears have won. Versus Jays. I need a shower. Yeah. Don't mind me introducing a segment. Now I don't want to. Yeah. Pros versus Jays, where Jay Sandos is pitted against a pro from around broadcasting. Of course, Jay, a pro in his own right, but emphasis on the in his own right, where some of the big timers, as you heard in our open, are a bit more qualified, resumes a bit more stacked, etc., so on, so forth. I enjoyed you being gone for three days. That's a shock, right? Uh, you called into the coaches show on Wednesday night and it got my mind rolling on other things that I've seen throughout uh, radio and such and great prank calls because I think that yours was semi-serious as we'll hear in just a second. But Did you get the Titans one with uh, Kenny Britt and Pac-Man Jones? <laughs> no, right. no I, I, I've heard another you show about, another day. heard you talk about that one before. It is very funny, but I, I'm going to uh, keep it between the lines on Santos and the okay. sidekick, I think, uh, just for our job interests. Um, there were a couple of calls that were very interesting from the coaches show on Wednesday night, and then we'll pit those calls against a pro that earlier this year took a crank call himself, one of the more recognizable names around sports media. But this was you calling in towards the tail end of the show on Wednesday. I don't know where you were. I think you were with the family somewhere. You were not around here. Uh, and you took it upon yourself. And Trey Adams, who was producing on Wednesday night, said, hey, a mystery guest is on the phone. You have to text each other much like I text you when uh, there's a guest that calls in. Usually it's you know Ernie from Kingsport, our guy, uh, that calls in during the coach's show. But whoever it is, have to text you who it is. And he says, mystery guest calling. And instantly, uh, let's just say the red flags went up for me. And we do have a mystery guest on the phone, and I get a sinking feeling it might be Jay Sandos. Is this Jay Sandos? Uh, Long-time host, first-time caller. Just got a couple questions for uh, Coach Sanders. One, I always enjoy the show. Uh, I would like to know, one, uh, would you let your daughter date a broadcaster like Mike Gallagher? (laughs) Number two, uh, if you had uh, favorite players over the past, uh, you've coached a lot of guys, I would like to know who are some players that just kind of stick out in your mind you're still maybe close with to today. And three, uh, have you ever sat next to anybody as squirrely looking as Mike Gallagher? And I'll hang up and listen. 
So a couple things. There. He didn't answer three. I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, and I tried to press him on it. Have you ever sat next to somebody as squirrely? And I think he said something else. But of course, I liked the comment the most during that call that I was kind of dialed in on was, "Oh yeah, I love this show." Well, of course you host it all the time, so of course you love it. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, I my, love this my, show. My favorite was the lead. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. Long time host, first time caller, which is a true statement. I've never called into my own coach's show before. Coach Sanders uh, kind of deflected on the uh, dating his daughter question, which I'm not going to lie, did make me a little bit uncomfortable at the moment because me and coach. And, are, and if y'all weren't talking about that the previous, there was a little context to that for correct. people just on the podcast and not listening to the show. There was a life lessons and you got down a rabbit hole where he was talking about his daughter dating kickers Correct. and other other things that he didn't want her to date so i just thought i would just take broadcaster off the list and so he said i've told him not to date kickers and then the other thing that he mentioned was i want him to have earning potential and so then i said so broadcaster's out yeah obviously. which is fair yeah i mean just i mean we know what we make least. right yeah exactly. okay so uh we were on the same page there uh, i did like the question because i was actually going to go there next also was how have you stayed in touch with so many of the guys that you talk with us about, like Randall Cobb, Jameis Winston? You know, he's got kind of a list that you know he'll bring up really randomly at times in reference to certain questions he's asked, and often it's oh, I was texting with Randall Cobb, or I was texting with Jameis Winston, or I was. And for a lot of Mike Tennessee Hartline, fans, or, I've been with them on like Johnny Majors. Johnny Majors has been a big right, one this year, right? Just text him and let him go. So there, I mean, it's it's from people that were his coaches all the way down to guys that that he has coached from his days at Tennessee to most recent as. Uh, Florida State and Jameis actually I think they talk pre- pretty regularly yeah, it about once like. a week it seems so I was definitely uh, a little uncomfortable when that first question was asked and I said even after you don't have to answer the first question and they said no 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 let me let me go there let me go there and so uh, he was a champ with that good call but I think you may have been bested earlier in the show hi Randy long time listener first time caller you are so good looking go Bucks! <laughs> I believe in you and I'll hang up now and listen Denny from Sugar Mountain went with the you are so good looking go Bucks! I believe in you and I said that was probably the Can you play that again? <laughs> Absolutely. Hi, Randy. Long-time listener. First-time caller. You are so good-looking. Go Bucks. I believe <laughs> in you, and I'll hang up now and listen. That's a pro caller right there. Eight seconds in, gets in, gets out, and you're so good-looking. Go Bucks. I believe in you. I said that's probably the best call I've ever heard in the coach's show with respect to her. Where, where was she from? Sugar Mountain. Yeah, that's Chattanooga. That's Chattanooga. Oh, yeah, okay. that's Chattanooga. It sounded kind of okay. made up. But. Uh... I mean, sugar could, mountain. She brought she she or he brought the sugar to the show. It sounded like a she, but yeah. Danny is more of I don't know. Yeah, that uh, that was solid. What call do you take? That was Yours solid. versus Denny from Sugar Mountain. No, I mean, Sugar Mountain. Uh, earlier this year, a pro had something similar happen to him. This one struck me as perhaps maybe a bit orchestrated. Unlike Denny from Sugar Mountain, who came in and went rogue, and you, who came in and totally show wrecked my confidence with randy when you asked me about the daughter dating uh this is Stephen a smith let's go to what tex johnson in texas tex are you there yeah first of all you gotta take that damn cowboy hat off and stop talking about the damn cowboys you understand me son well who, who are you you understand you, me son Jerry who is Jones this don't need to do nothing who and is the coach this? will not be fired cowboys nation forever now you went on your little laugh rant last night laughing at the Cowboys. You better stop, son. I'm telling you right now. What y'all brought? This is my show. I do what the hell I want on my show. Jason Garrett deserves up. to go, and that's that. Listen, I know you got a big old fancy house up there in New York, New Jersey. I got some horses oh. that can come do some business on your lawn. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who is this? My Who? name is Tex Johnson, sir. The hell 
hell no. This is you, isn't it, Shaq? This is Shaq. I, I was going to say that. <laughs> you know it, Shaq. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, hell no. I can't believe you. That is a phenomenal call. Yeah. Tex Johnson I, as soon, is my favorite. As soon as I heard the voice, I was like, that's Shaq. Like, and <laughs> I, have not, Shaq. I, have, I have not heard that before, but as soon as I heard his voice, I was like, that's Shaq. That's gold. I mean, Shaq is phenomenal in literally everything he does. The humor that he Very brings. Very funny. The humor it, he brings it, to oh. inside the NBA and just to things like that is brilliant. Uh, he's also got, like, stakes in 75 different companies or something. Obviously, a great basketball player. Shaq is golden. Uh, and funny enough, that conversation they were having, Tex Johnson, quote-unquote, is mad about Jason Garrett uh, and the claim that Stephen A. Smith made that he should be fired, Jerry Jones. I just enjoy – That's probably going to come back up. I, I just enjoyed that – Tex he, Johnson. That he had horses that were going to go do business on his <laughs> lawn. Right. That was my favorite – part of that whole conversation so i wonder if you're a jay from johnson city guy denny from sugar mountain guy or a tex johnson from texas well i almost (laughs) went with billy uh billy's my go-to sometimes yeah i I was gonna have uh him text you that it was it was billy with two l's on the phone and just uh two l's instead of yeah two l's and a y i don't know if you know that (laughs) so i was gonna do that and uh, instead of mystery guest i figure mystery guest was a giveaway but but i didn't want to I didn't know how to do it any other way. I, I wanted to prep you. Of, it was a, I was trying to figure out a way to prep you of what was coming, sort of, because, well, you know, and to be fair, being the, the host. Coaches show that I know. Does, being so ho- I, I like, didn't want to totally. Exactly. Here. I was trying trying to prep you a little bit for what was about to come without totally giving it away, although I guess I totally gave it away. But I was afraid if I went full-on uh, heel there as Billy with two L's and a Y that it was going to be out of control. For Thankfully it. for me, I still have a job after that coach's show. You Thank go. you for saying mystery guest instead of Billy with two L's and a Y yeah. because I really would have been concerned. All right, there we go. Now we got uh, bold predictions. Wasn't that bad of a week for us. We'll talk about it after this timeout in San Jose. Kicking Buccaneer. Swords out of work. ETSU fans, there is no more entertaining way to spend your Wednesday nights than with the human soundbite reel, Randy Sanders. It's big boy football. The Buccaneer head coach joins Jay Sandoz live at Wild Wing Cafe every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. And if you can't make it to downtown Johnson City to have chicken wings and tater tots with coach, you can listen right here on AM640. All fall long, ETSU head football coach Randy Sanders, Wednesday nights. What time is it anyway? 6 p.m. on the Sports Monster. Everyone in the stadium and across the NFL world is aware that quarterback Andrew Luck decided to retire. Antonio Brown ditches practice again after another issue with his helmet. There is a code that has been broken here with Antonio Brown. He's just not a good human. Well, unless you've been living under a rock, you guys all know that the AAF is folded. Wide receiver Josh Gordon has been reinstated and is now eligible to return to New England. The great Bill Belichick keeps giving Gordon chances. Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes told reporters flat out, if UCLA had paid his buyout, he probably would be at UCLA now instead of at Tennessee. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. Genius week. I thought for me, because I got the early win and was looking good in game two, and then reality set in, and I lost game two and three of my bold predictions. As it often does for you, reality setting in with bold predictions. No, but but I, got, I was just so happy I got one right. You did. Uh, it was Sanford and VMI. 
10 total offensive touchdowns or more. Now, to me, and it is funny, we're kind of starting to zone in and really master our craft here, I think, with bold predictions this year because we were close on most of them this week. I know that doesn't sound as optimistic as it was sounding in my head. Oh, it yeah. <laughs> close on most if of they, them. If people have listened to this show, they know how far off we have been, so... So we look at the scoring for the Sanford and VMI game. Now, it was 41-41 going to overtime. You're saying, okay, that's probably two field goals per side and five touchdowns per side, right? Quick, simple math. Well, Sanford had a fumble On for a, a punt touchdown. Return, right? it, was a, it was a punt punt return fumble, so special teams scores. With I eight minutes left in the there. second quarter. Yeah. And so it's nine touchdowns. Then you go to overtime, and, of course, Alex Ramsey on the first play overtime. And, and, and needed a 56-yard field goal from uh, Grant, Grant Clemens, Clemens, who has missed more 20-yard field goals than any other human on the planet. But he had a 56-yarder. To tie it with no time left on the clock and send it to overtime. Again, VMI, very similar to some ETSU stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. Pretty incredible. So you've got the two field goals per side. You've got what ended up being 11 touchdowns. And the last one with it being offensive, is the one that sealed your third, no, second correct bowl prediction of this year. Uh, I am the smartest man alive! Asking that because you don't get it often. Boom. For me, I said Reese Udinski in the same game would throw for 500 yards. Yes, it was bold. It was unfortunately incorrect. 37 to 46, 390 yards. It was still a good day. Yeah, great day. No touchdowns still kind of hurt his rating and such, but 390, I mean, that's a heck of a day. Uh, I didn't envision Alex Ramsey running for 160 no yards one and did. six touchdowns, no one tying did. the conference record for touchdowns. So, naturally, uh, incorrect for me. And, you uh, stubborn, stupid, good. silly man! That, especially considering you hit yours in the same game. Uh, I had two NFL predictions. Let's just go over mine quickly before we get to yours. Uh, I felt good about both of mine. Quite honestly, Browns and Seahawks. I had the Browns rebounding, starting to get on track, pushing towards a playoff berth that I projected them to get at the beginning of the year. And naturally, that all came crashing down when Russell Wilson, who a lot of people have right now as the MVP of the league through six games, uh, he goes for 22 of 33, 295, and two scores. Also rushed for 31 yards and a touchdown. Chris Carson, 24 for 124. And a score, and the final score of the game was Carson's one-yard run with 3.30 to go. So, unfortunately for me, a 28-25 deficit for the Seahawks turns to a 32-28 win. The Browns keep sliding. The Seahawks ruin my bold prediction. I lose that one. But I did hit on a game that needed a two-point conversion to be able to uh, tie it late. It was 24-22. Sam Darnold returns for the New York Jets. Now, I'll say this, and I'll quantify it a bit, and maybe it does devalue my bold prediction just a little. I was not sure that Sam Darnold would be on the field. I was not privy to that information. I thought it would still be Luke Falk. I think I even said during bold predictions last week that Luke Falk's going to lead the Jets to victory. Well, Sam Darnold returned. He threw for 338 yards. So so you're saying that that should be discredited. No, that's what I heard. I heard it was discredited. We are good with on bold predictions. It's not letting stipulations and the minor details get in the way of a correct prediction. So I'm letting that prediction ride and so, ride so, along into the sunset. <laughs> you, so Mike Gallagher is Fox I'm News. He is fair and balanced towards himself right now. Is that what you're telling me right now? Uh, well, you, you, you've been on the receiving end of a couple of generous, uh, I think, generous judgments as well. Um, so... Dallas gets the tying score, 43 seconds left, and we talked about really it was a Sunday full of terrible two-point conversion attempts. Yeah, in fairness, I'm probably more like Fox News, fair and balanced towards myself more than you. If, uh, if, we're, we're, if we're in the trust tree here, I'm probably more giving myself those. Uh, what was the uh, two-point conversion that Dallas tried? I didn't even see the play. 
It failed. It was a pass. Uh, no, the only pass. two point play I, I can remember was the guy is the one you're going to talk about here in a second, which was the uh, my uh, if we will stay on the NFL, my uh, the Dolphins, which yeah. Rosen, which was uh, first of all, I had the Dolphins winning and Rosen throwing for like three scores. I you think. did, and then uh, he got benched and Fitz, right. Fitz Magic, baby. Ron Fitzpatrick was back, the streaky man that he is. Led two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. The last one, I think, was six seconds to go that uh, uh, put the Dolphins within one. I love the call of trying to win it. I just had zero confidence. When the, and the funny thing is, is it was a play that New England had broke out for the first time against uh, the Falcons in the Super Bowl, which is where they sort of have the wide receiver kind of come in motion, a quick snap it, throw it to him, quick blocks, and you try to get in. And the Redskins, even if the receiver would have caught the ball, which I think Williams dropped it, um, or I'm sorry, Parker, Devontae Parker dropped it. But either way, there were like three Redskins on him before. Um, I'm watching he it right now. Oh, it was brutal. Whoever it was, brutal. It was just – it was it was covered up and just a terrible – I've never been – and I know uh, – there's a team I pull for that run a lot of plays like that on two-point plays that are thrown not in the end zone. But I'm a firm believer at least chunking the end zone. Like, just stop throwing behind the line. But, uh, again, and I pull for a team that does that religiously. But I'm just not a fan of that. And the Dolphins would have cost me anyway, but I at least would have felt vindicated if they would have won the game. I just love the fact that Rosen threw two interceptions and got benched when you said three-plus passing TDs for him. It was bad. Two interceptions and bench. Marcus Mariota. Also I mean, when 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 you have the the pillow fight of the century of the week game uh, between the Redskins and the Dolphins, I mean, you had to expect something was going to be bad. I'm excited to watch this two point conversion. Oh my gosh! Well, okay, really, it's just a breakdown by with Dallas and New York. You've got the pressure up the middle, uh, unblocked. Prescott throws it, and I think that's Witten. He's going for naturally. It was Witten. That's right. I of do course. remember. I do right remember. Goal line, he loves Jason Witten and. He threw it at his feet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was a guy all I mean, he's a Hall of Famer tight end. So, I mean, uh, final bowl Was the uh, Florida game. Yes. And felt really good coming out of halftime. Florida took the lead 28-21 and then didn't score again. God, Joe Burrow is really good. 21-24, 293, and three touchdowns. And as I you was, said, was, I was shocked that LSU made Florida's defense look slow. That's what mm-hmm. was impressive to me was some LSU uh, receivers and running backs ran by Gators, which normally does not happen. And our good friend Alan Levine was on the sideline, made his ESPN debut. I don't know if you saw that. He was he? Uh, standing around the 10-yard line. He cut to his shot, and I thought, hey. On the Buccaneer Sports Network, TSPN, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I thought, uh, hey, there's Alan Levine. And then, uh, sure enough, there was a picture on Twitter, and they had circled him, and I thought, ah, I saw him. So Van Jefferson gets a touchdown with four seconds left in the second quarter, tied at 21. Then you get the touchdown right out of the half. Yep. Eight plays, 76 yards. Van Jefferson again from Kyle Trask. And you have to be feeling just fantastic. And then the last three touchdowns, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Tyreon Davis-Price, and and, Jamar Chase. And even Florida had a shot uh, down 14. And twice, I think, had it fourth down plays Mm -hmm. and and didn't convert on those. Um, And then it ended 14. But that was... A couple plays there late. And they did. There was. That's right. There was an interception in the end end zone. zone. Yeah which was another one. But still, it was um, – I, I was very impressed. And I know it's always tough to beat LSU, especially at night in Baton Rouge. Yeah. 
But man, they looked fast. I ripped the odds makers. I thought that two touchdowns was like way too big of a spread. What How did they know? How does Vegas touchdowns? know? How does Vegas know? I'm done trying. I mean, I mean you, every time you look up, somebody from LSU is just running right by Florida. And that's what I was shocked by, just the team speed of LSU. And then the good news is when you see LSU win, you get here at Orgeron more, and I can't get enough of that. I'm 3-14 and 14 now in bowl predictions. You are 2-15, and 15 and we'll try again next week. All right. And what do we got Wednesday? Uh, T- Todd Agney. Todd Agney, the uh, color analyst for the Mox, will join us. we got to we'll break the game about down, too. So we'll talk a lot. ETSU Chattanooga breaks the game down. And then Friday, we'll recap it for you. Thursday, 7 o'clock is when we'll have the kickoff between the Box and the Mucks 5.30 pregame show. Back Wednesday with a full preview of the Mox and the Bucks on the Bucketing Sports Network. See ya.